Hi, my name is Rosie and I serve at The Well. Hi, my name is Roxanne Costa. I am presently shadowing to learn how to be a service coordinator. Hi, um, my name is Tony. I've been serving, I've been shadowing a lot, trying to worship God and um, be on the worship team. I love to sing, so I think that's part of me praising the Lord. I came to New Hope Church because a friend introduced me to this church while I moved back home. We were looking at different churches and once you brought me here I just felt this instant connection and this deep love with everybody around me and the church itself and I've committed myself since then. My family, my nephew and his family and my sister was coming here and they invited me to come join and I've been here I think maybe four or five years now. Actually my sister invited me about three years ago. So I've been coming and then I left for Oahu for about two years. The Lord would bless me a lot as far as coming back home. Yeah, I figured like give back, give back a little bit and um, trying to get more some of my friends or some people out there like to come and come and join the the congregation so that's kind of like my little goals out there i am a person about always wanting to help others and um if i can see myself fitting and helping any matter i will always step up and um, want to help in any capacity that i can i serve because it's my way of giving back to the church and my way of being able to serve the community that has given everything to me. Serving has blessed me in many ways. I am able to see the smiles on everyone's faces when I'm able to just give a little to them no matter what it is. Um, and that just fills my heart with joy and fills my heart with purpose that I am serving God and doing what he had asked me to do. I think just giving back to people and um, if any way I can bring people to come to know the Lord, um, to me that's, that's all I'm here is just to help people and to bring some happiness into everyone's life. Most definitely, um, especially as a service coordinator, um, the duties that you have overlooking the service and make sure things are running smoothly, that's, that's a lot on your shoulders. But. Um, I always say my prayers and leave it up to the Lord and just let the service go. And being in front of people is uncomfortable for me, but being behind the scenes, I love being behind the scenes and doing logistics stuff. That's, that's my comfort zone is being behind the scenes. I've learned, um, actually I've learned that kind of I like a lot. I'm not a very patient person. I'm very picky on how I like things, how I want I'm being a cook. So I've learned patience, actually. Learned patience and um, a lot of love came out of me. So, yeah. Is that it? <laughs> really? No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can we thank Tony, Roxanne, and Rosie for sharing this morning? And we do want to say thank you for being servants and being a part of what God is doing here. I'm, I'm so thankful uh, that we have a church like this that we can gather together and learn together about the things of God. And I've been gone for about maybe two weeks. Uh, Heidi and I were doing some training in Israel, and that's been a, an eye-opener. And some of you may have been to Israel. Our hope is that we would be able to take a team in the next year or so, maybe two years, and uh, just go visit the Holy Land because you get to learn uh, a lot more about what the Bible is teaching us. And 
not only does it bring the Bible to life, but it brings you to life as you read the Bible more and learn about God. And the, the interesting thing about Israel uh, when we were there is a lot of things that you see on the news is not even accurate. It is a safe place to be in. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here today. But it is very safe. Uh, and I'm so thankful that Pastor Ben and Pastor Marsha was able to speak uh, in my absence. So can we say thank you to Pastor Ben, Pastor Marsha for sharing the word of God. And I do want st- to, I'm thankful that we are a church that uh, listens for the word of God. We listen for a, pers- a personal relationship with Jesus rather than a pastor uh, kind of thing. But I'm so thankful that I am, am home and that jet lag thing uh, it's not as bad. We were 12 hours ahead, and I, I guess I'm learning about it because I don't get much jet lag. Some of you get jet lag from here to Oahu. So some, some are, you know, more sensitive than others, uh, but thank God we're able to get back on track with time. But being home, nothing like being home. I really miss being with you, seeing you, of course, your children, and, and being with you as a church. We are so looking forward to being home today. Uh, at the same time, today was we were scheduled for water baptism but in the morning they told us that coconut island was closed they they actually are opening it up but from what i understand is there's a lot of debris in the water and if you know coconut island the water is not the cleanest sometimes when you know when it gets all turned up so we're gonna postpone water baptism today and then uh, we're gonna let you know the future date uh, when we're gonna reschedule it we want your children to be safe when they're swimming, as well as when you're being baptized, that the water is good. So rather than waiting to the last minute, we're just going to reschedule. And I pray that God will continue to stir your hearts. For those of you who were ready to be baptized, don't worry, that that doesn't go away. You can still be baptized later on, okay? Well, if you're new and this is your first time, we welcome you. Uh, We're so thankful that you're here today because we're starting this two-part series called Discover New Hope. And Kat was sharing a little bit about it, that it's going to help you to understand the heart and vision of our church. For some of you who have been looking for a home church, these next two weeks will be great because you're going to get a bite size or a snapshot picture of who we are as a church, what we stand for, as well as the heart and vision and the direction that we're going into and why we do what we do. But uh, when you came in, you are given a bulletin and a, a... a booklet, and this booklet is what I want you to pay attention to. In fact, you can take this out. If you didn't get one, that's okay. You can grab one on the way out. And we won't be having slides because we have this booklet. And you can bring this back next week also. But if you open it up to the very beginning, then you're going to see our mission statement uh, right in the middle. If you open it up to the very middle, you're going to see our mission statement, our membership, why we are calling it membership, and what membership is all about, and what the vision is. And if you think about who we are as a church, if you've been here for more than two years, a lot of this is going to sound familiar to you. For those of you who have been here for 10 plus years, it can, it's such a refresher to see what God is doing here and, and who we are as a church. If you grew up here, uh, you should know this by heart. And sometimes we don't know the exact wording, but we know the heart behind it. Because our mission statement really is simple. And it comes out of the book of Matthew, chapter 28, where Jesus was with the disciples. And before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, Now go, therefore, into all the world, baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And and don't forget, I am always with you even to the end of the age. So Jesus 
already gave us what we call the Great Commission, and that's to go out into the world and reach people for him. Well, our mission statement comes out of that, and so we present the gospel. The purpose of New Hope Church is to present the gospel of Jesus Christ in such a way that turns non-Christians into converts, converts into disciples, and then disciples into mature, fruitful leaders who will in turn go out into the world and reach others for Christ. In other words, there's a process when you come to this church that there's a, there's a goal in mind, that people find Christ. That's our whole goal because everything we do is eternal. Everything we print is attached to a soul. The chairs you're sitting on, the building that is built, the property that we're on is all utilized so that people can find Christ for an eternal purpose. We use temporary things for eternal value so that when people say yes to Jesus, then they become everything that God created them to be. In other words, without God, our fullest potential is never realized. And what the world tries to do is the world tries to duplicate what God does in our lives. What God does is he gives us value. He gives us meaning. He gives us purpose. He gives us gifts and talents to be used for him so that people can find Christ. And what the world does is it says, no, your giftings, your talent, your skills, all of that is only so that you can make a living. But God says, no, it's not. It's so that you can be used by me for an eternal purpose more than just a paycheck. That your value is infinitely greater than the position you hold or even the title you have or even your bank account. And God says you are that valuable. So that's why we present the gospel in such a way that people would find Christ. Why do we do membership? And what is membership all about? Well, membership really is an opportunity for us to say, I want to be a part of what God is doing. It's really to understand and commit to, personally commit to the heart and vision of this church. That you're saying and making a commitment to who God is making you to be at this church and saying, I want to commit here. Now, this may not be the church for you, and that's fine. We can help you find a church where you can feel that you belong or a church where you can receive from the pastor, a church that you can contribute to. But for us here, that's what membership is all about. It gives you an opportunity to personally commit to the heart and vision of our church. Now, that word membership is actually a word that comes out of the book of Acts when the church was being birthed, that the members gathered together, and what they did was they contributed to the furthering of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that they were the ones who were praying, they were giving, they were a part of the feeding program, they were the ones that were spreading the good news. So when the members gathered together, they contributed. See, there's a difference between being a member of the church and being an attender of the church. Now, the, the attender comes to receive, and that's great because we get to receive from the Lord. We get to learn from his word together. The member says, I want to contribute now. I want to be a part of the bigger picture, something greater than myself, something bigger than myself, and a vision greater than a temporary thing in our world, but something that is eternal. That's what a member does. And a member actually is the person that makes that commitment to say, I'm all in. God, whatever you're asking me to be a part of in this church, I'm all in. And so I'm going to ask you to pray about that for the next two weeks, that is this the church God calling you to be a member of, and is this a, a place that, you're, that God is speaking to you saying, you're going to be a contributor now. That in this season of our world and the direction of our world, 
The world actually needs to see the church in the world. That's the, contr- the contribution that we get to give so that people can find Jesus Christ. So that's what our membership looks like. You're also going to receive a card and in the book of Nehemiah, and we're going to go through this in the next week. In the book of Nehemiah, when they made their commitment, they signed and Nehemiah put his sign to it, uh, his signature, and they affixed their, their seal to it, affixed their seal to say that we are all in. And so we're going to do the same thing, take after the Bible, that covenant with God to say, I'm all in. And so you receive a card, and what that card does is it, it's just a reminder, okay? It's not some contract that you're signing. It's actually a covenant with God saying, Lord, I, I want to be a part of something greater than myself. And when you sign that card, I will also sign it too as witness together that we're saying together, collectively, we're going to reach people for Jesus because people need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all need God in our life. And that's going to be in the next coming week. And then we're going to uh, get that back to you. Uh, for some of you, you may miss a week or two. If we don't get it to you uh, personally here, let's just say you miss a week or two, then we will mail it to you just so that you can, that, that way we can make sure that you get it. Uh, because our vision is very simple. It's to reach people who are far from God one relationship at a time. And the reason why we say one relationship is because that's how God did it. He sent us Jesus Christ. He came to us so that we could find our way back to God. That we were lost without him and now because of what Jesus did on the cross, we've been reconciled with God. In other words, Jesus took the, the debt of sin, our sins, died for our sin, or died for us so that our sin would be taken care of. In other words, sin requires death, a death payment. For the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible tells us. So Jesus died so that our sins would be put to death. And when he rose from the grave, our sins didn't. Yes, we still sin. Yes, we still uh, rebel against God. But that's why Jesus died for our sins, so that sin no longer has power over us. There's forgiveness now in God through Jesus Christ. So when we say yes to Jesus, now we're able to be forgiven of our sins so that we can follow God and then be released to our fullest potential, our God-given potential. But that's the vision is to reach people who are far from God one relationship at a time. There are people that you will reach that I would never be able to reach. There are people that God has put you in a place of influence where he surrounded you with people that you might be thinking, I can't stand these people. It could be at work. It could be in school, in the classroom. It could be in your very own family, your extended family, that you have a hard time with certain people. Well, God says, I put you there so that you can reach them for me. And you might be thinking, choose somebody else. Choose somebody else. And God says, no, I'm choosing you because you're the most You're the person that will be most influential with that group of people. So that's how we do it. It's always with one relationship at a time. I want to take you to the beginning, if you turn to the beginning of the book, because this one is very important, and this is what we firmly believe in, and it is the Word of God. We call it doing our devotions. And in doing your devotions, you're actually just devoting your time to be with the Lord. You're devoting your time so that you can spend time in His Word. In the Bible, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it tells us to be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time. Wouldn't it be great if we had more time? 
Like normally that's the thing we want more is more time. We don't have enough time in the day to do what we need to do. There's not enough time to spend with people. When someone wants to spend time with you, you check your schedule and you're saying, yeah, I can spend time with you, uh, November 2020. It's like we have no time for people. We want to take a vacation. We want to travel, but there's no time. But we all have the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day. It's not time that's the issue. It's being wise and unwise with our time. And so what the Bible is telling us is just be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time. So when it comes to the Bible and spending time in the Word, we spend time in the Word because we want to be people who take the initiative to learn. The Bible is not going to teach us by itself. We need to take the initiative to learn. And that's in your book, to, to take the initiative to learn. But not only that, we, we, got, we got to remember that the, the book, the, the uh, books of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, the entire Bible, the Holy Bible that God gave to us as a gift is the greatest book of wisdom. Now, there are many great books out there, but nothing like the Word of God. It is the greatest book of wisdom. So it takes discipline to get into the Word of God. Why? Because your flesh fights it. I liken to getting into the Word of God, doing my devotions with dieting. Now, when you're 12 years old, you don't really think about dieting. Or even when you're in your young adults, because you eat something, it burns off very quickly. But now that you're in your 40s, you look at something, you gain weight, and you're like, come on, I'm doing everything that I can. But it takes discipline, right? I mean, almost every diet will work if we have the discipline for it. But we try all these different things, and we're wondering, why isn't it working? Well, we got to be consistent, and it takes discipline. And so I liken the Word of God to dieting because it's, it's discipline that's going to matter in the end. Disciplining ourselves, as the Bible says, for the purpose of godliness. Now, one of the, because I'm likening it to food and the Word of God, because this is food for our soul and our spirit, just like food is for our body, one of my weaknesses, and I think I've shared this before tons of times, is dessert, mainly ice cream. So while we're in Israel, now we're in the desert, it's hot, and as the tour is going on, I see at the corner there's a little kiosk with a, like an ice cream vendor, a person, an ice cream guy, and he's there with all of this ice cream, and so I'm, I'm trying to focus on the tour. But then the ice cream is like calling me, Sheldon, I got mango. And there's, there's like mango in there. There's, there's ice creams and different like, like sandwiches, ice creams, and, and all these different ones. Not my favorite, but when you're in the desert, you're desperate. So I asked the tour guide, I said, is it okay if I go, like, grab some ice cream? He says, yeah, if anyone, want, if anyone wants ice cream, go ahead. So I went to this little kiosk, and I asked the person, I said, how much is the ice cream? And they told me how many shekels they were. And I said, how is that uh, in American dollars? And I guess he knew my weakness. So he said, um, $6. I was like, bro, I can go KTA and get a whole box for $6. You can give me a little popsicle for $6. Now, I'm thinking this, but did I say that? No, I paid instantly. I bought two because one is not enough. I thought I should share, but I didn't. So I bought two of these popsicles for $12. And I'm sure the guy was thinking, ha, 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 got you in the desert, which he did. Now, I thought about that, and here's, here's where I was weak at. Not that there was ice cream there, 
Not that because that is my weakness, but because I just did not have the discipline at that time to refuse something as simple as ice cream. And as silly as that sounds, that's actually what takes place when it comes to the Word of God. And although, yeah, we eat ice cream every now and then, eating too much is not good for you. And so it is in the world. Sometimes we dedicate our time to things that are just not good for us. And we spend hours and hours on things that are just not good for our soul. Rather than 20 minutes in the Word of God. See, the Word of God does something to our soul. Does something to our spirit. And that discipline is needed because our soul, our spirit, and our flesh will constantly do battle. So we're going to need discipline. That's why we say we need to be disciplined in doing our devotions. And this is what we bring when we are doing our devotions. We bring a Bible because we're going to get into the Word of God. We bring a pen, a journal, and a reading plan. You might want to add something in there too, your planner. Because what happens is when you're reading the Word of God, you're going to say things in your mind like, oh, I need to pick up so-and-so at 2 o'clock. My child has finished school or something like that. Or, oh, I need to go to the store and pick up food for dinner. And you're going to be thinking of that. But if you're in the Word of God and you have your planner, you can throw in that appointment or you need to call someone. And you write it down and then you're done with it and then you get back into the Word of God. And what that does is it constantly builds your spirit. You're disciplining yourself constantly. For some of us, we're so busy in our day that we say we don't have time for the Word of God. Discipline yourself for even that one minute because what you're doing is you're changing your habit. It's not the amount of time in the beginning of learning, doing devotions. It's that you're disciplining yourself to get into the Word of God. And we make it very easy because we have a, a, a way to read the Bible and sometimes we ask ourselves, well, when is the best time then? Am I supposed to read it in the morning, the afternoon, or nighttime? Let me ask you this question. How many of you get up before the chickens? Like you can get up super early, like 4 o'clock, 3.30. Okay, a couple of you. That's why you come second service because only a couple of you. Okay, how many of you, you don't get up till like 9? Maybe 8 o'clock. Yeah, not, not too bad. Okay, how many of you, you're like, you, you usually get up at noon? That's your... <laughs> okay. If you could have it your way and you didn't work, how many of you would get up at noon? Yeah, see? A lot of us, so we, we all have different times. How many of you are night owls? You can go to sleep at 2 in the morning and you wake up like a champ. Maybe not like champ champ, but you can, you can do that, yeah. So you can operate with four or five hours of sleep. So everyone is different. Some of you can get up super early. Some of you can stay up late. Some of you are late night owls and early morning. You can, you, you can do both, but... Really, the, the best time to be in the Word of God is when you are at your best. That is the best time. So you find out when is the best time for you to get into the Word of God. And when you do, you're going to find that when God speaks to you, you're able to write it down. And we do it in a simple form. We use a systematic way, and we use the acrostic soap. That means you're getting clean with the Word of God. And some of you know what that means. The S stands for Scripture. The O stands for Observation. The A stands for application, and then the P stands for prayer. So we use that, and we put a, an, an example on the right-hand side of one of my devotions that I just recently did, and it gives you just an example of how we get into the Word of God in a simple way so that we can be spiritually fed. 
We also use a Bible app called YouVersion, and it has our reading plan in there. It's called the Life Journal Reading Plan, or Life Application Reading Plan, and it takes you through the entire Bible in one year. Now, you might be thinking, I never read any books in my life, and I'm going to read the entire Bible in a year. You will miss a day or two or some here and there, but you get back on track, and you don't give up because you're still feeding your spirit. So you don't say, I'm done because I I miss a day or two. No, you get back into the Word of God. And so that's just a simple way to get into the Word of God. Just think about it. The Bible has been written, and you can turn the page to the Bible basics, that the Holy Bible was written in a time span of about 1,500 years. 1,500 years. 40 different authors comprised of 66 books. 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books. Just think of it this way. The Bible points to one person and one person only, and that's Jesus Christ. The redemptive power of Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ. Imagine that if someone came out with a book today, written by 40 different authors, with 66 different types of books, in a time span written of over 1,500 years, and it all lines up perfectly. Some authors have a hard time just being one person, one book, one chapter. The Word of God is living and active. He has given us His holy book so that we can follow Him. Now, if you think of the the Bible, it's broken up into two separate parts. It's the Old Testament, which is before Jesus came, and then the New Testament, when Jesus was born and then thereafter. So when you read the Bible, we can understand the context of why or what we're reading. And the Bible is the only book that is inspired by God. It is the only book inspired by God. There are some people who would say, can I do my devotions with this book or that book? Or what about this devotional book? Yeah, but it's not inspired by God. It's a great book. It's a great reading. But nothing like being in the Word of God. Because this is what is inspired by God. Really, when it's inspired by God, it means to be God-breathed. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's what 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us. And that word, when it says that it is inspired by God, it means that it is the breath of God, or God breathed. God put his very breath into us as human beings, and he put his very breath into his word. And because of his word, when we read it, he breathes into our spirit so that we can learn to become more and more the person he created us to be. In other words, we begin to reach our fullest potential. Now, here at this church, if you're saying, I want to be a part of this church, I I, I want to be a part of the body of Christ here, then you're going to learn our core values. And this is what we believe. The first thing, and and we kind of went through it already, that daily devotions and prayer are paramount to a strengthening relationship with Christ. We need the Word of God to strengthen our relationship with Him. The second core value is that God values all people, therefore we value all people. So it doesn't matter your background, where you come from, what, 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 uh, how your life is. God values you. And because God values you, we value you too. That all of us, no matter where we are in life, all stand level at the foot of the cross. No one greater than the other. He's the greatest one. 
And so we turn to him because we're valuable to him. The third core value is that everyone has a place to belong and serve. Everyone has a place to belong and serve. And so that's what we try to find. We try to find where do people fit in serving God? Some people love being with children. Some people don't. So if you don't like being with children, then don't serve in the children's ministry. But you say, but I believe in the next generation. I just can't stand kids or being around them. And that's fine. You can do other things that help build up the next generation. Some of you love to sing, but you can't. That's okay. Or sing on key. That's okay. You can still sing together with all of us who sometimes may not sing on key. You may not be part of the worship team. Maybe you can serve in other places that allow all of us to worship God together. There is always a place for you to serve, every single person. God equips us to serve him. The fourth core value is that the gospel of Jesus is simple and relevant. Therefore, we present it that way. Just think about it here on Sunday mornings, the way we present the gospel. We do it in such a way that people can understand we give stories, illustrations. We use song and dance. And the reason why we do that is because that's how Jesus did it. Jesus taught in parables. He gave stories and illustrations because every single person's life is lived like a metaphor. All of us live a life like a metaphor. For instance, some of you, your life as a metaphor is sports. Everything is a game to you. Everything is competitive. Everything is got to win, got to win, got to win. That's kind of my metaphor. My metaphor actually is a race. So when I read scripture that run in such a way that you win, that's my metaphor. It's, that's, I think that's why I might be a little competitive and I hate losing when I know we can win. And at the same time, whatever I do, I want to do it so well that in the end, we win. Everyone's life is a metaphor. So when Jesus spoke to the farmers, he spoke to the religious leaders, he spoke to the parents, he spoke to the children, he spoke in such a way that people could understand. And so that's what we do here on Sunday morning. We present the gospel in such a way that people can understand. Wednesday night is a little bit different because that is more for the believers, but here on Sunday morning, our heart is that we would partner with you in your attempts to reach your family and friends so that when they come here, they feel valued, they feel the love of God, and they can understand the Bible, that we learn the Bible together. The fifth core value is that love and acts of service are evidence of fruitful spiritual maturity. You know, I used to think spiritual maturity was I needed to know the word of God inside and out. I needed to memorize scripture. I needed to know where everything was. I needed to quote scripture. I needed to know what the pastor was going to say. I, I needed to own a Bible, have a Bible, read the Bible. I thought that was spiritual maturity. Now, that can be some signs or aspects of it, but it's not spiritual maturity. It is really love and acts of service that shows spiritual maturity. We can know everything about the Bible, but not apply it. doesn't make us spiritually mature. In fact, Jesus challenged the Pharisees, the religious leaders. He said, listen, you, you, you know the law, but you're, you're empty on the inside. You look good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. He called them whitewashed tombs because you look nice on the outside, but the inside is dead. 
And so he likens us in that way too. He's saying your spiritual maturity is really on how your love and acts of service go, how you treat people, how you love people, how you represent me with other people. So when you want to see a spiritually, a spiritual mature person, it's not how eloquent I can speak or how often I can quote the Bible. It's really my love and acts of service that tie in with the word of God. It's like the word of God in action. That's our fifth core value. Our sixth core value is that everyone is gifted and equipped to serve. Did you know that God has given you certain gifts and has equipped you to serve him? That's what he did. He has gifted you to serve him. The seventh core value is serving and honoring God is done with an excellent spirit and heart. That's why everything we do, we want to do with an excellent spirit and heart. Not perfectionism. There's a difference between perfectionism and excellence. You can get excellence out of being a perfectionist. Because excellence really is saying you are doing the very best that you can with what you have. That's what a spirit of excellence is. It's kind of like when I first started making the bed and Heidi, you know, would teach me this is how we want the bed done. And I would make the bed and she would look at it and say, not quite there yet. Or when you teach your children how to clean their room, you want it done a certain way. But they're doing the best that they can with what they know of. You've been doing your bed and your room for 40 plus years. They're like four years old trying to fold blankets and roll up blankets. And it's okay for right now. But if we're perfectionists, then we can kill the spirit. But if we're doing something with excellence, then we build up the spirit. And that's where it becomes difficult. If you're a perfectionist trying to do things with excellence, you're going to have a hard time. So we, we value the spirit of excellence, doing the best that we can with what we have. In fact, that's what we're trying to do in our fellowship hall. We're trying to do the best that we can with what we have so that we can build relationships with people, so that we can provide a place for families to gather, where we can have breakfast together, where you and your family can have breakfast together, sit down in an environment that's loving, in an environment that's positive, and in an environment that you feel comfort in, that you feel welcomed in. And so you've been seeing the changing out of chairs and tables and things like that. We just want to provide an atmosphere so that when you welcome people or you invite people, they feel a sense of being welcomed. We do everything with excellence because we serve an excellent God. He does everything with excellence. Everything he does has that excellent touch to it. Look at the person next to you. Look at how excellent they look. Look at that. Amazing. See? Yeah, some of you are looking at them like, nah, not that excellent. Every, everyone is made with the spirit of the living God. It's excellent. So th that's our core value number seven. Number eight, it is vital to courageously pursue healthy relationships. And the reason why we say healthy relationships is because God wants us to have a healthy relationship with him so we can have healthy relationships with one another. One of the things that we do here is we, we try to provide areas so that people can build relationships, so that they can connect with one another. And not just that, but have healthy relationships. So we offer counseling. We have uh, premarital counseling before you're married that you can understand what marriage is going to be about so that we can have healthy relationships. Sometimes we need to gather people together and then kind of like do a... a uh, forgiveness party that you, you know, you had to bring two people together to make things right. We want to do our very best to have healthy relationships. 
And part of healthy relationships is, is as uh, married people and, and if you're dating, how we can provide resources so that you can have healthy relationships. We also have boundaries. Even here on staff, we put boundaries together so that we can have healthy relationships. Every office will have a window uh, so that if there's a closed door, uh, there, there is no hiding behind the scenes, as it were. And so we have uh, windows on all of our office doors. Our pastors, if it's a, a, a male pastor, he's not going to counsel a female. One of our female pastors will counsel. Unless it's a, if it's a married couple, then, of course, the husband and wife can come in, and then the pastor can do that kind of counseling or if there's a meeting. So we put boundaries up so that we can have healthy relationships. We also have personal boundaries, and I can share with you some of my personal boundaries. And a part of my personal boundaries is, and right now I'm just going to be vulnerable with you because we're all family. And so, yeah, we're family. So one of my boundaries, or a couple of my boundaries, is I will, I will not find myself alone with another woman, even if it's in an elevator. And I shared this before, but sometimes I'm in the hotel and I'm going downstairs to meet Heidi in the lobby. And it'll stop midway, like floor 14, and we're on 20. And a woman will walk on, I will walk off. And then the doors will close, and I'll just wait for the next one, or I'll take the stairs. I'll, I'll just do that. It's just a boundary of mine because I don't want to be in an elevator with another woman. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's kind of like legalistic. Well, not for me. I want that as a boundary uh, because I, you, you know people. So... I don't ever want to be caught in a situation. I don't have time for that, right? We don't have time to mess around with that kind of stuff. So I'm a married man, and I love God more than I love Heidi. And he sees everything I do. So even if I were to be a little flirty, he knows even when Heidi doesn't. She probably does too when I come home. She'd be like, you're flirting with somebody, huh? But <laughs> because of boundaries and because of my heart for God and your heart for God, you want to make sure those boundaries are there. I will not have another woman ride in my truck. I'm not going to give a woman a ride. Even if they're stranded, I will call someone else and say, can you come and pick up this woman and take her home? And it's going to be another woman or a married couple or pastor and his wife or something like that. Because I don't want to, I don't want to have someone in my uh, passenger seat that's not Heidi. That seat is reserved for her. Now, there may be sometimes, you know, you need to go do something and run an errand and there are two, uh, let's just say two of our staff members and they're both women. Then I'll say, you got to sit in the back. I'm sorry. And I do. That's just a part of my boundaries. Heidi knows that. She's fine with it. Our staff knows that. They're fine with it. Well, we do that so that we can keep each other accountable. We don't have time to, for, for rumors to spread around or anything like that. What we're saying is we want to keep our boundaries up so well so that we can have healthy relationships. I'm not going to meet with another woman for lunch just to discuss things. It's, it's part of my boundaries. I meet with Heidi for lunch if it's just uh, for her and I. But if it's like a husband and wife, then that's okay. But I'm not going to meet with a woman by herself. There needs to be another person there. Those are just some of my boundaries. Now, you might be thinking, oh, man, I blew it already. I went way past that. Well, you discussed with your spouse what your boundaries should be together because I think for some of you, your job requires you to sometimes pick people up or show people around. So you got to figure out what boundaries work for you and who you are in the Lord. And your family will help with that. They will help with those boundaries. And people you work with will help with those boundaries. So don't just say, oh, i got to do those boundaries. No, you find out what works best for you and your family and your spouse, 
and then you do that. And the reason why I stress this so much is because being in this role as a pastor, we've seen families just be destroyed due to a lack of boundaries. And so that's why I wanted to take time out on this one. Be more preventive than anything else and take those precautions. Don't even let that thought come into your mind so that you can have healthy relationships. The number nine is that reaching people far from God is done one relationship at a time. And I went over that so we can go to number 10, that continuing to equip and build up the next generation of leaders is essential to building his kingdom. In other words, we believe in the next generation. Did you know that this church has always been a generation, that, uh, a church that continuously reaches the next generation and builds up the next generation? Otherwise, we wouldn't have been in existence as, far as, as long as we have been. This church is 36 years, years old this year. 36 years old. The reason why we still are continuing is because we believe in raising up the next generation. I was that next generation years ago when many of you invested in me, invested in the church, contributed to the church, served God. Because you did that, this generation is able to carry the gospel. And it doesn't mean you're done. It means you continue on with raising up the next generation. Welcoming the younger ones, the, the, the little children that come, embracing them, loving upon them, and showing them the way, being an example in our community so that the next generation can see how we're supposed to live for God. That is one of our core values. And because of that core value, we still continue to present the gospel in such a way that people find Jesus. Why? Because everything we do is discipleship. It doesn't matter where you are, what you do, everything we do is discipleship. Some of you might be thinking, but what, is there a discipleship class that I can go through? Well, we do discipleship in various ways. Like right now, you're being discipled. Disciple is a learner. You're learning from Jesus. You're learning from the word of God. You're learning about this church. So you're being discipled. You're always being discipled. For many people... Let's just say you're serving and you have a hard time with someone else and you get into conflict. Guess what is happening? You're being discipled. God is teaching you something about yourself. Sometimes you have a, maybe you have a, a, a complaining spirit or, or maybe you have vision or maybe you, you can see that things can be better. God is discipling you. He's doing something in you. Maybe God is calling you to be a, a pastor or someone to serve in the church or someone to be used by him in a greater way. You're being discipled by him. Don't fight it. Answer that call. Because everything we do is discipleship. That's why we have what we call rooted and growing. And you can kind of turn the pages and get there. But rooted and growing really is a part of how we're rooted in Christ and growing in him. So we have various groups. We have different groups that meet. We have a different curriculum that we'll go through. In fact, some of you might be on uh, what we call Right Now Media. Right Now Media has different videos and different uh, conferences, different uh, pastors speaking, and, and different series that you can go to and, and go through a series or sessions, maybe with a small group of people, and it's all laid out for you so that you can learn and grow in Christ. We, we look at Right Now Media as the Netflix for teaching. You have so many opportunities and, and so many options to learn about how to grow in Christ. So they have uh, many options in there. And the way you can get involved with that or, or, or get access to that is you can fill out the, 
the tear off tab and right in there, right now media, put your email and what that does is it puts you on the list where you will get a, an email confirmation of a password and you can sign into right now media, put in, uh, just log in and your password and then it'll give you access to all of these various videos. And what that does too is it gives you an opportunity to start your own small group. Now you could be at work, you could be in school or when you have a break sometime or even at home or a nighttime thing or even an early morning thing. And you can look for a video series like a four week, a six week video series. And then you can grab a group of people, your family members or uh, your coworkers or just some friends and say, hey, let's go through a four week series together. And then because it's all laid out, you really have not too much to prepare for. But it's all laid out for you and then you can learn and grow together. But that's what rooted and growing is all about. It's to help us to grow in Christ. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 tells us, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And really the context of it was that the Bible was telling us that yes, it's not good that man be alone. And, and yes, it was about God creating Eve for man. But really as human beings, we were not created to be alone. Because man wasn't alone. He was with God. But what God was saying is you need other human beings around you. Because it's not good if you're alone. So that's why we have these small groups and that's why we have Rooted and Growing. So that you can be a part of a larger group of, or a smaller group of people rather than being in a large group like this. In Acts chapter 2 verse 46, while the church was being birthed, it says day by day continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. It's like in the temple, all together, but then house to house in smaller groups. Hebrews 3.13 tells us to encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That we are to encourage each other day by day. Otherwise, our hearts become hardened because of the deceitfulness of sin. So when we are with a smaller group of people, we can encourage each other, pray for one another, build each other up, and help each other grow in Christ. Otherwise, left to ourselves, God says it is not good that you should be alone. So I just wanted to give you that. We're going to continue next week, and we're going to continue where we talk about communion and then our next steps and things like that. But our hope is that in these next two weeks, you'll be able to pray and ask God where you get to be when it comes to the membership of the church and um, how you get to contribute and be a part of it. And let God speak to you and watch what he does because what, we're, what, what God is about to do through all of us the world needs, our community needs, uh, too much happening in the world that is not looking good. And it's, it's not looking good, but what we want is for the church to function in the way God called us to function, to be a light unto the world where people see our good works and then glorify our Father in heaven. Amen. You can put away that booklet and, and bring it back next week if you need to. Uh, if you forget it, that's okay. We, we have some more. But we're going to close in prayer. I'm going to call Glenn out to the keyboard. And then as we close in prayer... Part of it is just really settling in and saying, Lord, where do I, where, where am I in all of this? And who are you calling me to be in this church? And how do we get to participate? Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer?
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the joy of learning more about you and, and how you designed what we call the church. And really, that church is your idea. You said that you're going to build the church. And because you're building the church, that means you're building us up. That we're a part of a greater picture, part of a, a greater purpose than what we can see for our own selves. And so for the next couple of weeks, Lord, can you just speak to our hearts where we get to participate, what we get to do for you, and how we can utilize the life that you have given to us so that we can make a difference in our homes, our communities, our state, our world, wherever we may be. Can you speak that to us, Lord? For some of us, Lord, we've been here for a while, and there is no question that we're saying we're absolutely all in. We've been all in. But even still, Lord, may we pray so that we can hear your voice. I pray for those of those who are new here today, Lord. Maybe they're searching for a home church, a place that they can belong with the body of Christ. And maybe they're trying to find where they fit. Lord, I pray that you would speak to them. And if it's this church, Lord, then that's great. If not, Lord, help them to find where they fit because we all belong to the body of Christ. But we all belong to a body of Christ somewhere where we get to participate and be a part of the greater picture that has to do with eternity. So speak to us, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for committing your life to us. May we do the same with you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and we all said together, amen, amen. Can we say thank you to our Lord and Savior who has done so much for all of us? And we do want to say happy Veterans Day. Thank you so much for serving.